0: Thursday May 20th 2021 today from our news team Warner Bros is making big moves with mergers and movie release plans Sony is looking to change the game with a slew of new patents and someone hacked the oil this is the Culture Jack News Desk This is the Culture Jack News Desk, your source for stolen information, hot takes, and your weekly news. I'm your host, Archimedes Abigail. And before we get into the news, if you are new to the podcast, you are new to the broadcast, you're new to hearing this voice, welcome. This is one of five regularly scheduled, <laughs> regularly scheduled shows that we host every week. Starting your week off on the right foot, we have Monday Madness with Anthony. On Thursday, then, we'll meet back here for the News Desk on Friday. Dustin hosts the Friday show. Tune in Saturday, then, for on today's episode, and then round out your weekend with the Weekend Wire on Sunday. With all that being said, let's take a peek at the news. All right, starting off in movie news, uh, a quick little rumor for you that Marvel Studios is developing the Midnight Suns movie with Blade, Ghost Rider, Moon Knight, and more. So, uh, earlier in the week, it was reported that Ghost Rider is set to make his Marvel Cinematic Universe debut in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Now, that hashtag show has followed up by claiming that a Midnight Suns movie is in the works at Marvel Studios. It will reportedly consist of of Doctor Strange, Moon Knight, Blade, Hannibal King, Damian Hellstrom, Ghost Rider, and the Scarlet Witch. King and Hellstrom will supposedly first show up in Blade, starring Marashala Ali. And this is all from comicbookmovie.com. It's also added that the plan is for Blackout to be the lead villain, with Mephisto teased because of course he is, throughout, because Marvel Studios hopes to introduce multiple major threats in the MCU moving forward. Now, this is one of the problems that I think that they have with the MCU that we've talked about on this podcast before, that they have a a bad habit of killing off their villains, or at the very least, incapacitating their villains. Now, spoiler alert for Falcon and the Winter Soldier, if you haven't seen that, at the end of it, Baron Zemo ended up in prison. Yes, he was at the raft, which is great. They didn't kill him off. He is still there to present as a threat in the future. They did, however, kill off the rest of the Flag Smashers, which would have been wonderful that one one or two of them could have escaped in the future and caused problems for other heroes. In other movie news, uh, Secret Invasion, the Disney Plus series, has found its directors uh, in a Thomas Bazucha, and Alam Salim. Uh, so Thomas Bazucha is from Let it, Let Him Go, and Ali Salim is from the Looming Tower. And so they have been the ones that have t- been tasked to direct the upcoming Disney Plus series Secret Invasion. Shang-Chi is going to receive a 45-day theatrical window, and Disney Plus also passes 103 0.6 million subscribers according to comicbookmovie.com uh but the martial arts movie Shang-Chi will not be doing the same as Black Widow and Cruella by releasing at the same time in theaters and on Disney Plus but will instead receive a shortened 45-day theatrical release before hitting uh the streaming service. Now we had talked about on the show before that about the the old standard of 90 days and that being reduced and shortened up by I think it was uh Warner Bros and by AMC or Regal. I can't recall which it was. But this sounds like Disney is also going to release according to that 45 day shortened window, at least at first. Now, only time will tell if that becomes the norm or not. Uh, In other movie news, uh, Black Panther at uh, according to my bookie is now taking bets on which character is destined to become the Black Panther in the new movie Wakanda forever. And, T'Challa's younger sister, Shuri, is the heavy favorite at negative 175. She's followed by Nakia at uh, positive 175. Okoye at 350. Um, The Field, and that's, I guess, any other possibility that's not listed, at plus 400. Eric Killmonger at plus 500. I think that's a real long shot. Michael B. Jordan coming back to reprise his role as Killmonger and somehow cheap in his death. M'Baku at plus 600, which wouldn't be a bad choice. He was a leader of the other tribe within Wakanda. Uh, Wakabi at plus 700, and then a long shot of uh, Bucky Barnes at plus 1,000. I don't think that's going, going to happen. Uh, and Wakanda Forever is supposed to be released on July 8th, 2022. In other, uh, I guess, Marvel rumors spider-man no way home there is evidence that is mounting that kirsten dunst is also returning to her original spider-man movie role as mary jane watson and it comes from or at least the the post that i have there was a, a tweet put out by toby mcguire and kirsten dunst news on twitter which is a very oddly specific fan account and it lists uh Uh, Asikia Wan-Ling Jacob, who is Kirsten Dunst's personal costume uh, person for Spider-Man No Way Home. And it also appears on Asikia Wan-Ling Jacob's uh, personal profile as well. So it, it does bode well that Kirsten Dunst is going to be back. Toby Maguire has all but been confirmed. Andrew Garfield, there were rumors put out that he was going to be back in it, but then when addressed, he said, no, I haven't even talked to anybody about that. I'd love to. Um, and so the, the rumors, the kind of insinuation that people are making is that he will most definitely be back, and this is going to be an incredible mashup of Spider-Man movies. I just hope that Tom Holland's Spider-Man can find his way home. Uh, in other movie news, uh, the Beauty and the Beast writer reveals the origins of the Disney Plus prequel and whether or not he's involved. And that was uh, writer-director Evan Uh And he, he said that he's not involved currently, though he would love to be. And the only reason I included this headline, again from comicbookmovie.com, is because I didn't even realize that they were making a Beauty and the Beast prequel and I think it's going to be a prequel series yeah that's right it's a prequel series so I didn't even realize that this prequel series was in the works although it is supposed to be like a who is it uh Gaston and who was the who was his little buddy played by by Gad uh I can't remember but it's supposed to be like a, a a buddy series about those two before the events of Beauty and the Beast. Which I would love to see. I, they were one of the best parts of the original movie. Despite. I mean I guess that was an okay. That was an okay recreation. Uh, okay so some box office news. Now we're just getting back into the box office. Because movies are just getting put back into theaters. But the the Book of Saw. And the Army of the Dead. That's the, the movie Spiral. Uh, they both underperformed. Disappointing weekend sales for the U.S. box office. Um, the Saw spinoff opened with eight point seven million, uh, and that was less than their estimated ten to fifteen million. And they had, let's see, what did the Army of the Dead open with? Um, they they projected it at one point five million to two million, but it was a disappointing opening at 780000 hundred eighty thousand. So it's interesting because before when we were thinking, you know, big, strong movie blowout weekends, like a 20 to 30 million dollar take was like that was a lot. That was a lot of money. And now it seems like the industry is adjusting to these returning movie theaters and these returning movies kind of levels that are not going to be. I also watched the first 15 minutes of The Army of the Dead. It looks very good. It looks very, very fun. I like a good zombie movie, especially one that doesn't take itself too terribly serious. Netflix announces uh, He-Man. It says anime here. I just have a hard time calling it an anime because anime are typically things that are released in Japan. They're Japanese animation. But Netflix released some stills from the Netflix He-Man show, The Masters of the Universe, Revelation, and it's going to be split into two parts, with the first five episodes set to debut on July 23rd, and it's so cool because I feel like an insider. I, I listen to the uh, Kevin Smith, Mark Bernardin podcast, and Fat Man Beyond, and in it, they talk about this show. And I, I remember listening to the episode where they announced that they were working on this show, that they had they had become the directors and writers and showrunners for this He-Man reboot. And it's so cool listening to them talk about it and then seeing the updates as they've come along with them being so excited about the score and then about writing these episodes and then the people that they're working with. And now, these stills come out and then listening to them talk about on the podcast, the, the, the wonderful positive reception that they got for these stills coming out and how they were trending on Twitter, their show that they had, they had nursed, uh, from, from its inception, uh, I guess the reboots inception. Anyway, it's got a star studded star studded cast. It's got Chris Wood as Uh, Prince Adam and He-Man. Mark Hamill as Skeletor. Uh, Lena Hedy Hedy as Evil Lynn. Sarah Michelle Gellar as Tila. Alicia Silverstone as Queen Marlena. Kevin Conroy as Merman. Alan Oppenheimer, who was the original voice of Skeletor, is returning uh, but to voice Mossman. Liam Cunningham as Man-at-Arms. Henry Rollins as Triclops. Susan Eisenberg as Sorceress. Jason as Stinkor because of course uh, he is Phil Lamar as hero Tony Todd as Scareglow, and Cree Summers as Priestess and Kevin Michael Richardson as Beastman now I think Kevin Michael Richardson he plays a few voices in the Invincible show as well he, he does a few voices there so a very prolific voice actor uh, as well I'm looking I'm looking forward to the reboot I was a huge He-Man fan back when I was a child. However, like anything that your nostalgia is that affixed to, that your nostalgia looks back that brightly at, it was not a good show. I mean, it was a fine show, but the way that Kevin Smith describes it, he says, you know, when you used to watch that show as a kid, you would picture these big climactic fight scenes and you would, you would transform the kind of mundane thing that was going on on the television into something fantastic into your mind. And he said, I think that we have taken that translation and actually giving, given it a, a physical presence in terms of, of this show. So I'm very excited to see it. There's also a, a bunch of new trailers out we've got a, a trailer for the forever purge. And it's another one in the Purge series of movies, which are very good. Like, I'm not a huge horror fan, but these ones have have stayed consistently good. And in the trailer, maybe spoilers for the Purge if you're not the type that watches trailers, there is, in the lore, a single day of the year where all crime is legal and they start a 24 hour clock and murders and, uh, thefts and robberies and all, all manner of despicable activity is legal. And then after that 24 hours, everyone goes back to normal. They keep being neighbors. And that is how, uh, the U S has gotten out some of its, some of its rage. Well, in this trailer, there is, you know, they're all waiting for the, the purge day to come up. And then People start murdering before The Purge. And this is just unheard of in this dystopian future that you would you would even consider doing something so despicable before the actual day of The Purge. We got another uh, trailer for Sweet Tooth on Netflix on June 4th. Oh, the, the Forever Purge is in theaters on July 2nd, in case you were curious. Sweet Tooth looks amazing. I'm very excited for that. There is a... Tra- and it might be the first trailer? No, probably not. Um, Transylvania 4. Transformia is coming to theaters this summer. It is the fourth movie of the Transylvania series, the Adam Sandler series, the CG uh, movie series. Um, and in it, this one is very funny because Adam Sandler, who plays Dracula, and who is it? I think it might be Andy Sandberg, who plays his son-in-law. They his son-in-law always feel felt out of place because he's not a monster like Dracula and his daughter, uh, and all, all of his friends. So he goes to, gosh, who was the guy? Who's the guy that, that, uh, that always chased Dracula? It was the doctor. Come on, get your Bram Stoker knowledge out, out there. Regardless, he goes and finds a ray that will transform one to the other. So if you're a human, you become a monster. If you're a monster, you become a human. And it's a very Freaky Friday-style style movie. And then, uh, finally, Snake Eyes G.I. Joe Origins is slated to release July 23rd in cinemas world worldwide. Uh, India premiere is unlikely at that date given the debilitating second wave of COVID-19 pandemic and in the U.S. Snake Eyes will be available on Paramount Plus for 45 days and that's September 6th after its theatrical debut so we got another trailer for Snake Eyes or maybe it's a first trailer I don't know I don't pay that close of attention I suppose in other movie news we have an Ultraman animated movie heading to Netflix now the thing about Ultraman is it is supposed to have some relevance to the monster verse, to uh, King Kong and Godzilla. And so it'll be interesting. I mean, this is an animated show, so obviously it's not part of the big universal joint of, of Godzilla and Kong, but it is coming to Netflix. I'm excited for that. There's a synopsis that Variety shared. It said the movie will follow Kin Saito, uh, a superstar baseball player who returns to Japan to become the latest hero to carry the mantle of Ultraman. He plans to go his plans go awry, however, when he is compelled to raise a newborn Kaiju monster, the offspring of his greatest enemy, as his own child. Saito will also have to contend with his relationship with his estranged father and the schemes of the Kaiju Defense Force. Oh, here's an interesting story. Michael B. Jordan responds to rumors that he will play Superman. So this is an article on ScreenRant.com speaking to Jake's takes. Jordan played Coy when asked if he could be playing Superman. The actor said he's flattered that his name would even be in consideration for the role, but he doesn't know anything beyond the rumors. Uh, What did he say? He said... You hear, you hear the whispers and the rumors and stuff like that, and it's just a compliment, you know? You know, I appreciate people that think uh, about me in that type of way for these roles. I don't really have anything more to give them uh, other than it's just flattering, and I appreciate it. But you know, whoever they, they get, or if it goes that way, I think it'll be interesting to see, or I think it'll be an interesting thing to see. And then similarly, when talking to Cinepop, he reiterated he is not aware of what is happening with the reboot, but he's excited to see a black Superman on the on the big screen. Uh, he said he said I don't know uh, I I don't really know what is going on with that in particular, but I think everybody's want and desire to see black leads in heroic roles I think is really really important. Representation is important, and we agree, uh, Michael B. Jordan. Uh, the interesting thing is the next Superman is supposed to be dire- not directed, but produced by J.J. Abrams. And with all of these rumors as a black lead as Superman, as Kal-El, because I think there's other other Kryptonians that, that take up a Superman-type mantle, although I am not familiar enough with the comics to say what those are. Uh, there were rumors that a black-led Superman could have been one of those characters, but it is going to be the the Clark Kent style Superman. So J.J. Abrams will produce, but he has also said that he is committed to having a, a black director on the film as well as a black lead. So it'll be interesting to see. I, I know some people do get a little bit upset with those types of castings. And to those people, just consider that there are a, super, a certain type of Superman and a certain type of runs and just consider it being handed over to a different author, a different run of the story and one that maybe will include people that otherwise might have thought they were more forgotten in other movie news. Dune is now expected to debut in theaters only as Warner Bros is set to reverse its day and date model. So this is very interesting. Uh, Well, the Warner Media Discovery merger won't be completed until mid-2022. That's another story we'll get to here shortly. Uh, It looks like we're already seeing changes over at Warner Bros. Pictures. As Deadline is now reporting that Dune will no longer release day and day in theaters and on HBO Max, but instead will debut exclusively in theaters. Warner Bros. representatives are strongly denying the change to the film's plan and still claim that the film will open simultaneously. But DHD seems confident in their reporting and may simply have gotten the jump on the official announcement. So we'll see what's going to happen here soon. But Collider adds that Dune will likely be the studio's only film to forego this simultaneous release model this next year with both uh, King Richard, Cry Macho, still expected to follow the current release plan. But no word on what could happen with The Suicide Squad, The Matrix 4, but both are strong candidates to follow Dune's lead, heading to the theater first before going on to the streaming service. Now, I was looking forward to all of these movies being released simultaneously on the streaming service, not to mention where I live. Movies often show up late in the theater anyway. It, uh... It, it makes sense because the simultaneous streaming plan seemed like kind of a half cocked one that, that turned off a lot of creators turned off a lot of the theaters and maybe this merger is bringing more sense to them, or maybe they're coming around to the idea that it was kind of a half cocked measure and they should reconsider it after all. Uh, in other movie news. Now here's some of the big ones. Uh, Amazon is weeks into negotiations on a deal to acquire MGM for about $9 billion. Now, we had talked about on the podcast before that MGM was going on sale, but news of Amazon's talks with MGM began to swirl this weekend. The information reported Monday that Amazon was in talks about a potential deal for MGM, which could run between 7 and $10 billion. Industry sources say MGM reps have been whispering to prospective buyers for months about a price tag of $9 billion, while others see it worth about $5 billion. Uh, MGM claims uh, to one of the world's deepest libraries of premium film and TV content. Now, looking, o- looking over this list, there's a lot of things in there. The James Bond movies, Hobbit, uh, Rocky, uh, got Pink Panther, Stargate, Handmaid's Tale, Teen Wolf, The Voice, Survivor, Shark Tank. Wow, a lot of, uh, a lot of reality shows as well. Uh, the new combination of Warner Media and Discovery now is another merger that we're looking at. Uh, it's come as a surprise to the vast majority of staff in both companies' international camps who hope to have a town hall quickly scheduled for Tuesday that will clear up confusion around what's to come. One of the most urgent matters, by most accounts, is being what lies ahead for each company's much-ballyhooed streaming offerings. Uh, The pact, which is expected to close in mid-2022, is subject to approval by regulators and discovery shareholders. Uh, it sees AT&T and Discovery agreeing to combine their media assets into a standalone public-traded company in order to compete with more directly with larger rivals like Netflix, Disney+, Plus, and NBC Universal. Under the terms of the deal, AT&T shareholders will control 71% of the new company, while Discovery shareholders will own 29%. Uh, so that's that's pretty interesting. Will we see HBO Max turn into something else, or will we see the Discovery properties move on to an HBO Max type thing. It will be interesting to see because I think HBO Max has made some relatively good headway being to what many consider both Anthony, Dustin, and myself to be the the least favorite of the popular streaming services. And on that article from Variety, it it, it had a... A bunch of other big deals that were broken down by cost so the date the deal was uh, finalized AT&T and Time Warner uh, when AT&T bought Time Warner was 85 billion when Disney bought Fox 71 billion Uh, that was in 2019 Warner and Discovery looking at about 43 billion dollars When Comcast bought Sky $39 billion, CBS bought Viacom $12 billion, Discovery got Scripps Network, whatever that is, for $12 billion, and Sinclair, if you remember, they were the the news organization that, well, not the news organization, but they owned several local news organizations that had the very scripted conservative talking points for their news outlets. But they bought Fox Sports Networks on August 2019. And then in the third quarter of this year, Univision Holdings will buy Grupo Televisia for $4.8 billion. It's <laughs> a lot of purchasing going on, a lot of mergers. We are we are seeing the beginnings of a great deal of I think consolidation of entertainment power. There was, uh, most recently on May 16th, the MTV movie and TV awards. And so I got this list from entertainment weekly, but just in case you missed them, I want to go over the winners here. So night one of the MTV movie and TV awards was hosted by Leslie Jones, uh, on Sunday. And then the unscripted ceremony was emceed by comedian Nikki Glaser, on Monday. So for the scripted awards, Best Movie went to All the Boys, Always and Forever. Best Show was WandaVision. You've got a Culture Jacked endorsement here. Best Performance in a Movie was for Chadwick Boseman, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Best Performance in a Show was Elizabeth Olsen, again for WandaVision. Best Hero, Anthony Mackie for The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So Marvel coming out on top with its hero shows. Best Kiss, Chase Stokes and Madeline Klein in The Outer Banks. Best Comedic Performance, Leslie Jones, Coming to America. Wait a second, Leslie. That seems a little, um, I don't know, a little suspicious, if you ask me. Best Villain, Catherine Hahn, again for WandaVision. Big Night for WandaVision. Breakthrough Performance, uh, Regie Jean peg for uh, Bridgerton, Reggie Jean Page, excuse me, for Bridgerton. Best Fight, again, WandaVision, Wanda versus Agatha. Most Frightened Performance, Victoria Pedretti. That was from The Haunting of Bly Manor. That was a wonderful show. I do recommend you watch it if you haven't seen it. And then Best Duo, Falcon, played by Anthony Mackey, and The Winter Soldier, played by Sebastian Stan. And then in the unscripted category, you have the best docu-reality show, Jersey Shore, Family Vacation, the best dating show, The Bachelorette, best reality cast, RuPaul's Drag Race, best competition series, RuPaul's Drag Race as well, best lifestyle show, Nailed It, I know some people that watch Nailed It, Uh, best new unscripted series, Selena and Chef, Best Talk and Topical Show, The Culture Jack Podcast. (laughs) No, it's not. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, of course. Best Comedy and Game Show, Impractical Jokers. Best Host, RuPaul, again for RuPaul's Drag Race. Breakthrough Social Star, whatever the hell that means, Bretman Rock. Best Real Life Mystery or Crime Series, Catfish, the TV show. Uh, Best Fight, You get this, Keeping Up with the Kardashians, Kourtney Kardashian versus Kim Kardashian West, Best International Reality Series, Love Island, and Best Music Documentary in the Social category, BTS, Break the Silence, the movie. That's a lot of awards. Congratulations to all of our winners at the MTV Movie and TV Awards of 2021. But with that being said, that's all we have for movie news. All right, in gaming news, we have an article from GameRant.com. An Xbox executive let slip that a new Fallout game may be in development. So he was talking about that Xbox executive, Dan Becker, head of gaming services. He was talking about new IPs, most exclusively Forza and Halo, but he also mentioned another fallout game. So th- there's not much news. This is more of a rumor at this point. However, it is something that we should keep an eye out in other Xbox news. Insiders insist starfield will be Xbox exclusive, exclusive, not a big surprise there on um, this is coming from Jeff Grubb uh, via a post on Twitter. He said starfield is exclusive to Xbox and PC period. This is me confirming that. Now, Jeff Grubb, you've heard us report on his, I guess, reports on this show before, but he has a good track record, so it'll be exciting to see. Then he also had a um, a tweet from Mark Medina from IGN, and he said Starfield is getting announced at E3 2021, and it's getting a fall 2021 release date. It's going to be a PC. Xbox exclusive, which is cool because I listened to Mark Medina on G- Game Scoop and he uh, he's a very funny guy. He, he doesn't sound like a guy that would have the inside scoop. However, it's it's just interesting that uh, it's a show that I listen to regularly. Uh, one fifth of Switch consoles sold went to households that already had one. So, in a recent report, Nintendo's president, Shuntaro Furukawa, says that one-fifth of all sales of the Switch have gone to households that already own one. He said that in the past fiscal year, households looking to have multiple systems accounted for 20% of the 28 million total sales reported since last year. Going forward, Furukawa says that the company expects demand for more than one system to increase alongside overall unit sales. Now, this is true because I know Dustin's family, he has one, his wife has one, and his son has one. They've got three Switches in that house, and I think they'll probably end up getting a fourth. In other gaming news, now, this is what we were talking about at the beginning of the show. Sony has gone and put out a bunch of patents. I'm only going to highlight a couple here in this show, but they have patented an eSports betting system. And so, this is from thegamer.com. Sony looks poised to break into the game gambling industry as its patent its own eSports betting system. And the patent was granted on May 13th of this year. Along with the patent, there's a description which reads as follows. Quote, Odds for various propositions concerning the play of a computer simulation are determined and presented to a viewer for pecuniary or non-pecuniary wagering purposes. The odds may be determined using past game and analytics or may be determined par- paramutually. So, translated from all this business jargon, this means that Sony is considering setting up a service in which esports fans can watch matches, while the same service advertises and hosts a way to bet on the results. Pecuniary relates to waging money. So, pecuniary or non pecuniary could suggest that the betting will take multiple forms. For example, there could be a traditional gambling with real world money, as well as placing bets with in game items. Or currency. Uh, another one to go right along with this with Sony is Sony jumps on the crypto bandwagon with a patent to accept Bitcoin for in game betting. Now, if you haven't been paying attention to the Culture Jack podcast, Anthony has been doing a pretty good in depth dive about Bitcoin cryptocurrency, blockchain analysis, NFTs, and all of this kind of new age digital currency and digital economy stuff. So go check out those episodes if you do get an opportunity. However, this US PTO number, number 20210142624, reveals that Sony's eSports betting patent that would accept both physical and digital currencies for in-game betting. The system would use an interface overlay to allow gamblers to bet in real time while watching an esports program. Uh, all of that sounds fine, so long as there are age lockouts to prevent kids from gambling, but then the patent discusses the sort of things players can bet. And now we're not so sure, the author of this article says. As possible wagers, players could bet with, quote, money or Bitcoin or, quote, in-game assets, digital rights, and virtual currency. So it'll be interesting to see where where these patents go. And obviously, many of the patents made by these video game companies, made by other companies around the world, some of them never find their wings. They never find their way off the ground. However, many of them do. And then one more patent from Sony, and then we'll leave it leave it at that. Sony's new patent that could help players, quote, get good. So this patent suggests, this is again by GameRant, that based on a player's performance in initial segments of gameplay, there's an AI that would slow down gameplay to compensate for slower reflexes. The player's performance would continue being tracked and the latency would be reduced again once the AI figured out that they they maybe have gotten the hang of it this technology clearly aims at creating a more customized difficulty for players who have a a tough time especially when it comes to gameplay sequences that rely on reflexes so combat would be a major gameplay aspect that many newcomers would have a hard time with especially in games like the souls like games Actions like parrying or dodging at the right time require a certain level of precision and timing that not everybody can achieve immediately. The technology that this patent details would slow down such instances until you can master them. After that, the AI will gradually decrease the latency to ease you into the standard gameplay difficulty. And it's, it's cool because the article goes on to say this is only one in a series of patents that Sony has filed, all of which... Are aimed at addressing gameplay difficulty. One patent involved experienced players signing up as, quote, experts to certain games and helping out players that are stuck on a particular sequence, like a chat system. Then this personalized assistant AI patent allows for an AI to track and learn a player's gameplay decisions, eventually making it possible to emulate their playing style, since the AI would be linked to player profiles. You could possibly download another player's AI to complete a, a difficult section for you. And so it's just it's so bananas to me because gameplay in, in video games has always had a, a learning curve. And they've had tutorial systems to help players get used to the controls and get used to the game functions and stuff like that. They've had difficulty settings, so an enemy would take less bullets to shoot down and you would take more bullets to shoot down. It would increase and decrease damages based on your skill level. And some people might be might be opposed to a system like this that really holds a player's hand too much and say, well, they're not earning that game. They're not earning the story. And I, I disagree. I think they are earning that story simply by the merit of their purchasing dollars going toward that game. Should they be able to see the story to its conclusion without having too much headache just because their gameplay skill is a little less than a more experienced gamer or someone that has a more natural ability with the game? Of course not. They should absolutely be able to see that game from start to end. They paid for the game. And like I said before, I listen to these guys on GameScoop by all the time and I believe it's Justin on there. He always talks about, Video games being the only medium where you cannot automatically go view or consume whatever part of it you want immediately. If you're watching a movie, you can fast forward to any part of that movie whenever you want. If you are reading a book, you can flip to whatever page in that book that you want automatically. Video games don't do that. Video games don't typically, unless you have already beaten the chapter that you are trying to view... They will not let you play that. He maintains that you should be able to play any chapter out of order whenever you want, right off the jump. And I'm in agreement with him. Um, But that's all we have for gaming news. In other tech news, um, this is from The Verge. Deep fake dubs could help translate film and TV without losing an actor's original performance. So, we often think of deepfakes as manipulating the entire image of a person or a scene. But what this does, this is a, um, a company called Flawless. They have used machine learning models that create just lip movements. So, when someone is watching dubbed footage, they're not jolted out of performances by jarring word or mistimed mouth movement. It's all about retaining the performance and retaining the original styles, says Flawless's co-founder Nick Lines. The thing about this is, if you ever watched, whether it's anime or whether it's an old kung fu flick, and you have turned on the English dub, yes, you've probably watched with the subtitles, but you know that the lips don't match up to the voice. And it can be jarring. It can take you out of a scene. And so I watched some of this, I I can't remember what show it was from uh, on this article, but it it was Jack Nicholson's character speaking in another language. And it was not yet perfect, but it did line up more with the language that he was speaking. And I think uh, any technology that can increase immersion into an entertainment piece is, uh, I think, one well worth investing in. Uh, In other tech news, and and this is what I was talking about at the beginning of the show, uh, Colonial Pipeline says operations are back to normal following a ransomware attack. So if you have tuned into the news in the last week, you will have noticed that there was a gas shortage that was compounded by... People going to hoard gasoline, which only further caused a shortage, which only further caused the hoarding to occur. It's it's very reminiscent of that time that we all hoarded toilet paper uh, about a year and a half ago. Right. Anyway, Colonial Pipeline said on Saturday with all that, all of its systems are back to operating normally, including the pipeline. It shut down a week ago amid a ransomware attack. Uh, The company reportedly paid a $5 million ransom to Darkside, the group responsible for the incident. Darkside has since apologized for the social consequences of the attack, which included fuel shortages in many of the markets that the 5,500 mile long pipeline services. It remains unclear which parts of Colonial Pipeline were at risk, but a company spokesperson suggested it did not appear that the company's operational systems were affected. Now, this seems like it is the case more often than not that systems can be updated or are not updated, but they can be outdated. They can be at risk. They can be vulnerable as long as it is not costing the company its bottom line. As soon as a vulnerability like this is exposed is when these kinds of systems get updated. They get air gapped. So there's not an availability for them to be connected to the, the net at large or in a broader sense that they are susceptible to attacks from organized cyber terrorism or cyber H- hackery, I guess you would say. And it's, it's interesting to me that the idea that the adage we don't negotiate with terrorisms, terrorists is so quickly cast aside when there are people filling plastic grocery bags with gasoline <laughs> in other tech news. Uh, Apple announces lossless Apple Music is coming in June at no added cost. Uh, It's getting two big updates next month, support for high-quality lossless audio and for spatial audio through uh, Dolby Atmos. The company says it'll have 75 million lossless audio songs in its catalog by the end of the year and 20 million to start. Apple has confirmed to The Verge that lossless audio is exclusive to Apple Music and thus subscription only company won't offer music purchases in lossless quality nor will there be any way to upgrade own tracks to lossless with the paid iTunes match service. So the Apple uh, Music's lossless audio starts at CD quality which is 16 bit at 44.1 kilohertz and goes up to 24 bit at 48 kilohertz natively on Apple devices. Tops out at 24 bits at 192 kilohertz for the highest quality quote high resolution lossless experience. There's one major catch, subscribers will need external equipment like a DAC to enjoy it. Um, this is not the only only one either. Uh, it's now becoming more popular and more standard across the biggest music streaming apps. Amazon just announced that it is making Amazon Music HD available for free to Amazon Music Unlimited subscribers and Spotify plans to launch its Hi-Fi tier later this year. Tidal also offers what it calls, quote, Tidal Masters that can even exceed high resolution, 96 kilohertz and 24 bit audio. Now, I have no idea what any of this means. (laughs) I just thought it was important. So for those people that are more into music technology, more into audio entertainment than I am. Maybe this will mean something to them. Uh, (laughs) That's it for other technology news. And finally, finally, as for the things that I have been entertaining my time with, that I have been playing, that I have been watching, uh been playing Fortnite still. I'm still no closer to that battle pass. I I've had to study for a couple certifications, so I have been finding much of my time has been taken up by that. Uh I also started playing Slay the Spire. It's on Game Pass, so any anybody that has Game Pass can play Slay the Spire. Um, it's kind of a, a card-building game, but it's also kind of a roguelike game wherein you do a run, you start from scratch, and you build up your deck of cards, making your character more and more powerful as you go. And then, yeah, if you die, you have to start over with nothing. I also started playing The Messenger, which seems to be a spiritual successor to Ninja Gaiden. It is very much if you backpedal off screen, it's a 2d side scroller. If you go off screen for a moment and return the same enemies you have just defeated will return there as well. Uh, Also, I've been playing Mario Kart, which is a whole heck of a lot of fun. And I still dominate at Mario Kart despite what others would, would have you have you say or, or suggest that I do. I will, listen, in Mario Kart, you have two options to get beat by me, to for me to beat you with. Either I can choose a character who is a large character with little wheels, or I can choose a little character with big wheels. Either one, you're done for. But that combination has to exist. So if you've been struggling with your Mario Kart prowess, your Mario Kart skills and abilities, well then look no further uh, than getting a big character with little wheels, or a little character with big wheels. I also finished Jupiter's Legacy, uh, a a show on Netflix. Now, I know Anthony's talked about it a little bit. It is a good show. Now, this is the thing about Jupiter's Legacy. It it doesn't have the best effects by a long shot. In fact, some of the effects are so terrible that they take you out of the show completely. On the other hand, though, it has one of the best superhero stories and origin stories at that that I've seen in a superhero show. And so there's this this terrible quandary in my mind because I have always considered myself somewhat of an animation snob where I want the best animation, the best effects, and... If the story is garbage beyond that, it doesn't matter. It's great because it's got good effects. So this has left me in quite the pickle because I the story is so good that I can disregard the poor effects to say, yeah, it's a good show based on the story alone. So watch Jupiter's Legacy, uh, an interesting take on super superheroes and especially like their moral codes as well. I also f- blasted through the second season of Love, Death, and Robots. It was only eight episodes long, I believe. There was considerably less nudity, violence, and swearing in the second season than there was in the first, which isn't in, an, in and of itself a bad thing. And the, the, the stuff in the first season didn't seem out of place. It didn't seem like they were doing it just for the sake of doing it. It all seemed very organic. And very natural in this one, I found myself in several different existential quandaries, whether it be population control, whether it be immortality, whether it be legacy or just a society's general malaise and disregard for those amazing and fantastic things that appear around them. I'm looking at you, uh, the giant episode. And then also, uh, the last thing that I have, I've watched this last week is i i picked back up castlevania the fourth season is out now on netflix and i'm one two episodes into it and it's very good so far it's very good just like the other ones the animation it sticks in some parts you know it it has a hard time finding the next gear but once it finally does it's smooth as butter and the story is amazing i I like how they're piecing it all together. I'm not sure how they're actually going to get to the place in the previews that they said with the, well, I can't even say it'd be a spoiler right now. If you're interested and would like us to do a OTE or on today's episode about Castlevania, Jupiter's legacy, or anything else that you find interesting, get a hold of us contact us and you can contact us very easily as well you can get a hold of us on facebook or twitter at culture jack you can send us an email at culture.collective.x2 at gmail.com but with that being said we are going to wrap up the show that's all the news that i have for you today all the hot takes all the stolen info make sure you stay tuned tomorrow for the friday show on today's episode this weekend the weekend wire and then of course monday madness Leave us a review on the platform that you are listening to us on. It helps us out a great deal. Not to mention, we love to hear from you. Thank you for joining us here at the Culture Jack News Desk. I'm Archimedes Abigail. That's the news, and we'll see you next week.